Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So we're going to continue in a series we started, which is, it's awesome, uh, The Way of Love. But also, Pete is, you know, helping me out on this too. So he'll be preaching next week uh, on relationships. And maybe I'll have him come up at the end. You can just share a little little sneak peek of that. So, um, but what a, what a, I mean, what a funny thing, to be honest. We're telling the whole story about, you know, White Mountain Boogie Blues Festival and you in the middle of the field, Andy, and me helping you out just to be able to walk. And then, there you are, bro. Look at this. Five, six years later. I don't, ten years later. I don't know. You're still my friend after 10 years. <laughs> but that's what love is, you know. And so that's really what we're talking about today. And so we're going to continue on that. Let's, let's get into it to this morning. Um, this is week two of the way of love. And we're going to spend the next several weeks really talking about and looking at the idea of building ourselves up, rooting ourselves in this thing called love. Now, when we say love... I mean, people say things like, I love cheeseburgers and I love pizza, right? But hopefully you don't love that the same as you love your spouse. Hopefully there's a difference there in the love. But in the English language, it's just such a hard word, I think, sometimes to wrap our head around because we just say we love so many things and it can become flippant. It can become just not as deep as it really should be in many cases. And so in this series really we're talking about the agape love that that greek word agape it's a god kind of love it's a completely unconditional love uh, when it comes to god loving us us loving god us loving each other this is a big thing we're going to talk about today and so let's talk about this idea i want to start out this morning in first peter in chapter four. First peter in chapter four and i want to look at verse eight here Peter says something really cool, and I love this here in the message. Listen to this. The very first statement he makes is, most of all, say that with me, most of all, most of all what? Love each other as if your life depended on it. I mean, that statement alone is so powerful. I mean, you could just sit there and kind of think on this for hours, for, for days, for weeks. Wait a minute, most of all, wait, wait, Peter. Now, now remember, the life of Peter as an apostle, Peter really struggled with self-identity. I mean, before Jesus was crucified, in fact, at his flogging, what did he do? He denied Christ three times. But yet he was the one that says, Lord, I will never leave you. Well, did he leave him? He did. He ran away. He denied him. But the beauty of, of this relationship with Jesus is he's never there to bring you condemnation, guilt, and shame. And so when Peter sees Jesus again after the resurrection, what happens? He sees Jesus on the shore. Peter's the one who jumps off the boat and runs in, swims in. Doesn't he wait for the boat to get to the shore to meet Jesus because he knew how Jesus was. And Jesus asked him three times the same, equivalent to the three denials. He asked three times, Peter, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, okay, feed my sheep. In other words, your status hasn't changed. You're still called. You're, you're still my disciple. You're still my follower. I believe that you can follow through. And then here we see, decades later, as Peter's writing this letter, he says, most of all, you guys, most of all, the most important thing that you can get, fundamental, foundational, is this. Love each other as if your life depended on it. It's pretty powerful. 
There's only a few times maybe in our lives that we experience a love like this from a human being, another human being, right? Can I get an amen? And he goes on to say, love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all, say all, all get in on it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's hearty help. That way, this is cool, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus and he'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything, encores to the end of time. And I love this, oh yes. (laughs) Say, oh yeah. (laughs) There's something about this love thing. You know, the idea of, of, of love itself, if you look in the New Testament, it's talked about over 200 times. 200 times. So obviously, it's a key point to following Jesus. I would go as far as to say it's the key point, all caps, right? It's the foundation for everything in the Christian life. Everything flows from this foundation called love. And so we're going to really talk about that today. But, but I just want to do a, a quick recap for those of you who maybe weren't here. Last week, we talked about this idea of the Christian life strategy. And really, um, this Christian life strategy, you see here, is everything from the thou shalt's to the thou shalt nots, right? It's going to church, it's prayer, it's Bible reading, it's serving, it's small group. It's all the things that we can do in the Christian life. And there's not, it's not really anything wrong with these things. I think all of these things should be things that we do. I mean, there are practices, there are practical things that we apply and that we do in this life. But sometimes I think we get off base with this and we, we, let me say it this way, we operate from the wrong foundation to do these things. And so last week, we posed this question, what if God had a better plan? What if God literally had a better plan when it comes to the Christian life strategy? And I want to make this more personal this morning. I'd like to say this, what if God had a better plan for you? What if God had a better plan for you, Facebook and YouTube? Think about this for a minute. What if it was a plan that was completely organic and not manufactured? Something that was literally simple to do and not complex. A plan that wasn't dependent on you and your power and what you can muster up, but is completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not you trying harder. Something that would fit into the normal rhythms of your life. What if this plan actually asks you to do things you are capable of? not what you're incapable of doing. A plan that left all the heavy lifting to God that was literally powered by something you never run out of and that something is based on the greatest commandment of all. What is it? Love. Love is your fuel. Love is the power to do what we would call the Christian life strategy, but sometimes we root it in what we talked about last week, self instead of love, right? And so if we just kind of recap what this looks like, we have this foundation of love, which is our purpose, right? Love is the purpose. And out of that love flows the practices, which is relationships, it's service, and it's worship. And we're going we're to talk about this. Pete, next week, he's going to be hammering away at relationships in a good way. He's not going to hammer you over the head, but we're going to talk about relationships that are built on love versus self. We're going to continue. We're going to talk about service. What does that look like? when it's flowing out of this foundation of love. See, we have to get love right. That's why it's the foundation. 
That's why that is the purpose we have in life. But again, out of that come the practices. And then, of course, the results, the outreach, the growth. And then, of course, the outcome, disciples making disciples. And one key thing that we looked at last week, and I think we need to remind ourselves of, is that our focus in this, this whole building of blocks here, is love. Right? Relationship, service, and worship. That's our focus. Whereas God's focus is the outreach and the growth and disciples making disciples. I think sometimes we get this wrong too. We think it's up to us to do it all. Listen, you guys, we're in this thing together, not just you and I, but God's with you. He's the one that empowers you to do these things. We, we said it last week, I'll say it again. Jesus said that I'm the vine and you're the branches. So, Sometimes what happens is we try to be the vine, the vine dresser, the branch, the fruit, everything. And Jesus is saying, you got to know your role. How many love movies? I love movies. Isn't it awesome when someone just like gets their role and they understand their role and they sell their role? Have you ever just watched a movie and you get so into it, you're pulled in by the actor or actress like, you actually, you hate the bad person in that movie. And I know we're not supposed to hate, right? We're Christians, but you're like, this person is getting under my skin. But in real life, that's not who that person is, but they sell you, right, on that role. Jesus is saying, know your role. Stay in your lane. That's the biggest issue with people these days. We don't stay in our lane. We try to get in everybody else's lane. It's like, no, that's what they're gifted for, Right? And so I really believe that it wasn't Jesus being harsh, but he's trying to say, listen, guys, you're not going to be the vine dresser and the vine and the branch and the fruit. That's not what I called you to be. And that's why when we look at this, this build, these building blocks, we need to realize that there's a focus for us, but God literally has a focus too. And that focus is the outreach, the growth, and the disciples making disciples. It takes a little pressure off, right? Now, of course, we know that the opposite of love is fear. Uh, we're talking in this series about the opposite of love being self, which really self-effort, low self-worth comes from fear. Some of us, we fear that maybe we're just not good enough. We don't measure up. I mean, there was, there was literally years in my walk with Jesus where I believed that Jesus loved me, but I thought that there was some performance I had to throw in there or else. Anyone ever experienced the or else? That's not a fun place to be, is it? But I, I think for me, becoming a parent changed everything. You know, I might, I might tell my kids, you, you need to follow through and be obedient or else. What the or else is, let me say this, what the or else isn't is you won't be part of the family anymore. <laughs> the or else is there's consequences if you make bad decisions because guess what? That applies later in life too. I'm training you now to make better decisions for your life later, but you never, ever, 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 ever will not be a Baransic in this home, in this family. Does that make sense? And so for me, I used to question whether I could be in, I could be out, I could be in, I could be out. Well, you can be out of fellowship. Fellowship is, is, is something that both sides are there. They're participating and so there are times that I wasn't participating, but God never went anywhere. He never disowned me. And so I always had an opportunity to come back, just like the prodigal son, saying, I'm here. 
I haven't gone anywhere. In fact, I'm pursuing you because I want relationship with you. I don't mean to belabor that, but I, someone needs to hear that today, that there's nowhere you can go to run away from the love of God. You just can't. You're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. And once you begin to realize that, it's going to change your outlook. It's going to change really your self-worth, your, your value. You're going to see the real value that God sees in you. And this is important. Because when we don't, then we go into this self thing where self becomes the, the foundation or the motivation. And so now, instead of having practices, we have this thing called strategy. So we're, we're networking. Instead of relationships, it's all about networking, right? And Pete and I were talking about this this morning that you're going to touch on this next week. But, you know, it's really important to see that even in the church, there's this self thing. You know, there are churches literally built on self because we think it's going to take self-effort and we got to get to this status. We want to be the biggest church in the community and have all the, you know, these accolades. It's like, that's not what kingdom's about. I'm not against big churches. I personally like small church. I like intimate church. I think it's great. Um, don't have an issue. I don't want to pastor a large church. I mean, those pastors, unfortunately, had to become CEOs, and that's not what I want to do. I want to be with people. I want to participate. I want to be part of that equation of this small church. So I love small church. I'm not saying we can't grow. I'm just saying that element is not really what I desire. I'd rather have more campuses than a big church, right? But a lot of times churches do this. They, they build on self. And so now instead of building relationships, you're just networking people to create a good image, to do some dead works, let's be honest, in order to have a good reputation and then have success and then here's our status. So it's not just the corporate world that does this. The church can even get caught up in this. So let's take the next several minutes now that we're recapped and really talk about this thing called love. Say love. I mean, come on, it's Valentine's Day. We got to talk about love, right? It's kind of cool, isn't it, Pete, how that all just worked out? I looked at the calendar and went, well, what better thing can we talk about than love on Valentine's Day? So today we focus on the foundation called love. You know, guys, love is so key. And I, I know that you hear this a lot from the pulpit here at Faith City Church, but I, I'm a firm believer that if we don't get this love thing right, it's just really tough to walk out life correctly. And so love is, is very key. It's so key that Jesus wrapped up all the commands in the scriptures of a day into this one command called love. Last week, we looked at this scripture in John 13, 34. Look at this. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Now, this in and of itself is huge. Because you got to think, Jesus is a rabbi. People would follow particular rabbis. They would subscribe to their teaching. In fact, their teaching or their um, interpretation of scripture, if you will, uh, would be called their yoke. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. In other words, he was, he was literally saying, take my interpretation of scripture upon you because it's, it's light and it's easy. Isn't that neat? Kind of opens it up. You can see different things. So these rabbis would have a yoke. And so you would subscribe to rabbi so-and-so or rabbi so-and-so. And you would subscribe to their teachings, their interpretations. You take that on. But then sometimes they would say something as an interpretation that might be different than what someone else said. So think about this. Jesus, as a rabbi, as a Jew, was saying, I give you a new command. Now, last week, we looked at the word command in the Greek, and it literally means a new goal or an ultimate prophetic purpose. 
So he was saying, guys, I want to set this up. I want you to see that there's a, there's a new way of viewing life in yourself. There's a new ultimate purpose. There's a brand new goal. Okay, Jesus. All right, tell us, tell us, what is the goal? Come on, Rabbi. I, am I talking too fast, Jessica? I really want to know. I really want to know. The rabbi's speaking. He's got a new command, a new goal, a new ultimate purpose. What is it, Jesus? Wait for it. Wait for it. He says, keep on loving one another just as I have loved you. What? That's it? <laughs> Come on, Jesus. It seems so simple. But how many would admit it's not very simple to walk in love 24-7? And Jesus says, here's the new goal, guys. This wraps every scripture, every command up, just all in one, one word here, love. Keep on loving one another as I have loved you. But look at this, it gets even better. This translation is powerful. He says, my love for you is the source of your love for one another. So even in the command, even in this new goal, even in this ultimate purpose, Jesus is saying, I kind of rigged it, you guys. I want you to love others as I've loved you, but ah, my love is the source of that love. What did Jesus say? I'm the vine, you're the branches. So we, we, we want to produce fruit. Any, any branch, our desire is to produce fruit. And so part of that, one of the wedges of that fruit of the spirit is love. And Jesus is saying, listen, my love is your source it's actually everything you ever need to love others. Because when you read a scripture, first of all, when you see commandment, you kind of go, okay, brace yourself, it's a command. You know, we, I guess we see it maybe negative, negatively, you know, like he's demanding this of me. But then we say, oh no, okay, you're setting a new bar, a new goal, a new ultimate purpose. What is it? And then he tells you and you're like, whoa, I'm not doing that very well. He says, don't worry, my love for you, it's gonna be the source of your love for others. That's huge. Now, I do think that many times we get confused when it comes to this love walk. I mean, maybe we think it has to do with how I feel at any given moment. And so we don't realize that in truth, you can love others even when you don't feel it. See, that's why this is different than just, I love a cheeseburger, I love football, and I love my wife. This is so much deeper. This is a love that's completely unconditional, a love that you're giving to people whether they deserve it or not. That's what Jesus did. And I know that I can do it because Jesus did it, and the greater one is living on the inside of me. And in my own life, I haven't always lived this perfectly, but there's been times, I'd say more often now than not, that I find myself loving people whether they deserve it or not, whether they agree with me or not whether their life lines up with what I think life should be or not. It's like, I love this person. I truly care for this person. I heard one guy talking about a good way to know if you're loving or not is when that person you don't like so much, if something bad happens to them, what's your response? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean, uh, praise, praise Jesus. It's all good. So, oh, bless him. I'll be, I'll be pray, prayers and good vibes your way. But deep down, you feel kind of vindicated because something happened. Well, is that love? I know this seems really simple, guys, and I'm not, I'm not trying to talk down to anyone. I'm, in my own life, I have experienced these things. And this is where Holy Spirit steps and go, uh, Andrew, you're not showing love right now. You're not living out of that love I've already put in your heart. You're disregarding it. 
See, the title of today's message is not just the way of love, but the main thing is love, but really we're calling it, it's your choice. Pete, you, 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 you hit it like the nail on the head earlier when you said that everything in life is a choice. Do you realize the reason that you can love someone, even if you don't feel it, is because love is a choice? <laughs> it's not feeling, right? It's, it, it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Now, emotions and feelings result from, they flow from love. But love, listen to this, love is a commitment and a decision that we make. You don't have to feel it in order to love. I know, pastor, I've heard this. That's great. Are you doing it? Because I know that I'm not always doing it. And so this isn't condemnation this morning, but it certainly is a challenge. Just be honest with ourselves and say, maybe I need this series more than I thought. Because there's still some areas in my life where I need to grow. When people see me, do they see Jesus? Mm, sometimes, okay, no condemnation. Do you want to see them? Do you want them to see Jesus in you more often? I do, two hands, one foot. I'd normally do the other one, but we're not gonna today. See, we choose to love or we choose not to love. End of discussion right there. We choose to love or not to love. That's, again, why I call today's message, it's your choice. See, realizing that we actually have a choice in this matter makes all the difference in the world. It really does. God doesn't make us love others. He doesn't force us to love him. If he did, it wouldn't be love anyway, would it? But here's the thing. I believe that he knows the best way to get me and get you to live in, to walk in, and to accept love. And that's to experience love and be loved ourselves, right? So once we experience this love, we begin to be loved ourselves. I mean, it just changes everything. I say it often, but God is always the one who initiates relationship. You realize that God's the initiator in this relationship? I mean, we could say over 2,000 years ago, he had already initiated a relationship with you and you weren't even born yet. In fact, if we want to get really prophetic and really about it, before the foundation of the world, he already established relationship. When you think that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, then you go, oh, so Jesus dying on a cross wasn't plan B? (laughs) I know we're, we're creatures of time, so we're stuck in that element. We go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So wait a minute. God already provided the sacrifice and everything needed and relationship was already set straight before I was born? Yep. So all you need to do, like the apostles say, is awaken to your righteousness. Awaken to the relationship, the great relationship that's always been there. You don't have to grovel, grovel. you don't have to beg, you don't have to perform, you don't have to do anything except say, I receive by faith, it's true. And then you walk in it. That's the gospel, folks. That's how good it is. Like it's already done, right? I know I'm going off on a rabbit trail. Thanks, Pete, for bringing the spirit of, sweet spirit of rabbit trail on us. But, but it brings us back to one of my favorite scriptures, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Us, one of my most beautiful friends in the world, Victoria Duff, she bought this beautiful picture for me. I put it up in my office. 
we love because he first loved us. It's my favorite scripture. Because it reminds me, God initiates and I respond, right? So we could literally say that love is the primary descriptor of God's involvement with humanity. See, he doesn't just love, he is love. And it's God's love that defines the, and I really say defines and shapes the attributes of God, like grace, mercy, forgiveness, discipline, even disciplines done in love. It's training you for your future. It's not punishing you for your past. That's proper discipline. So everything, for God at least, flows out of this love. But we're trying to connect to that and trying to work through that. And in our minds, begin to change. That word repentance means to change your mind. We're beginning to change our mind to see things like God sees them so we can do the same thing. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I know that today's Valentine's Day. It's the day we celebrate love, but listen, true love has zero to do with Cupid and hearts and red roses and, and candy and niceness and Hallmark cards as much as we love all that, right? In fact, love is neither masculine or feminine. It's divine. So it's this divine energy is like how I see it that flows to everyone, God doesn't withhold this love, this foundation from anyone, but guess what? We get to discover it. We get to dig into it. We become more aware that it's there and, and the bigness of what that means in our lives. So love finds its origin in God, and it, I believe it drives our deepest needs, desires, and passions. It's the very essence that holds all things together because God is love. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who call Jesus our Lord and Savior. Listen, love doesn't make life better. Love makes life. To love is to live. Now, as I say this, it's not because I've arrived. But, just like Pete and I talked earlier, taste and see. When you taste and see of this love walk, I mean, all it takes is a few times of walking in love when that person doesn't deserve it. It does something to you. It just, it like, I don't know, melts your heart. You're just like, wow, God, this is how you are with me. Even on my worst day, your love never fails. It never gives up. It's always there for me. Now, I definitely don't want to discriminate between followers of Jesus and those who aren't followers of Jesus yet because I believe that love is still the foundation for all life. But again, as followers of Jesus who follow the God who is love and commands us to love others as he loves us, I think that we need to dig into this on a daily basis. We need to become more aware of this. We need to really understand what it means to have a life, like Paul said, that is rooted and grounded in love. Listen to me, love is already present within us, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. But it's up to us to dig into this, to, to see what's already there, to become more aware of it, to truly live it out. It's kind of like my relationship with my wife. You know, the day that we said, I do, I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand all there was to understand about Kristen. And I still don't. (laughs) 
right? She could say the same thing about me. That takes time. But it doesn't mean that, you know, when we said I do, that I didn't already have all of her. She committed all of herself to me. Come on. I'm pretty blessed. But it does mean that through time and sharing life experiences together, that that I begin to learn more about her, deeper things about her. It it makes it easier to uh, access all that Kristen has to offer. Does that make sense? So it's the same with God. The love's already there. The relationship's already there. He's completely presented himself and said, I want loving relationship with you. But guess what? It takes work in any relationship, especially a loving relationship, to, be, to become more aware of what that person is all about. I believe it's the same thing with God. And if God is love, it takes time to really begin to understand the depth, the width, the height of the love of God. And so it's a journey we're on. So what I'm trying to really encourage us to do through this series is say, you know what? I'm going to dig into this. I want to see what this is really all about because it's going to make a difference in your life. And let me add this. There is work involved. (laughs) See, sometimes, especially people in the grace camp, they get scared. You say commitment, they go, what, what? But commitment's not a bad thing. You say work, they're like, what, 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 work? We don't have to work. I'm under great. Well, okay, we're not talking about dead works and self-effort, but there's work involved. If I didn't work on my marriage, I wouldn't have one. Because I can be a real jerk sometimes. I mean, anyone else? Any other jerks in the house? Come on. Make me feel okay. Make me feel okay. So working on the marriage or having commitment in my marriage is not like, it's not a lack of grace. It's grace that empowers me to actually stay committed and do the right thing when I don't even feel like doing it. Vice versa, right, babe? It's, It's relationship. It's work. And I'm glad that we stuck it out for almost 20 years. So worth it. I can't imagine myself and anyone else. But it's the same thing with my father. The more I realize his commitment to me, his love for me, it's like, he's not going anywhere and neither am I. And so that's really what I want us to do through this process. So here's a question. How can we know when we are loving or when we are not loving? How can we know this? Well, we can know that we're loving Because love involves these three things. It involves sacrifice, meaning I give over. It involves service, which means I give to. And it involves surrender, which is I give up. Now we can see this fashioned in the life of Christ, this sacrifice, this service, and this surrender. This is something that love does. So this is how you know when you're loving. Are you actually... What's the word we learned, Pete, way back in the day we were um, in, uh, was it Maximize Manhood? We, we were learning that love is, it's benefiting others at the expense of self, right? And so if you're ever in a situation where you're benefiting yourself at the expense of others, that's not love. But when you're benefiting others at the expense of self, it doesn't mean we have to be a doormat. That's not what I'm saying. But how many, how many know that there's times in your life where there's sacrifice, there's service, there's surrender, and that's how you know you're walking in love? Well, how do you know when you're not walking in love? Well, when I'm not walking in love, what do I do? I keep everything. I serve myself, and I give up nothing. Now, if I go back to my relationship with my wife, there's times where I have sacrifice, service, and surrender, 
But there's definitely times where I keep everything, I serve myself, and I give up nothing. That's happened in relationships. Come on. And so that's how we can know whether we're walking in love or not. Just, I mean, I know it seems simple, you guys. But is it really that simple? Hearing something is different than actually walking out and living it, right? And so that's why we're discussing this. So there's really only two ways to go in this life when it comes to love. Our lives will be motivated by either self or by love. And a key thing to remember is that it's our choice. Say, it's my choice. Say, it's my choice to love. It's my choice not to love. See, motivated by self, our lives are empty and meaningless. But motivated by love, our lives have meaning and significance. And this is something that I've really experienced in this, you guys. But it all starts with understanding God's love for me first. Experiencing God's love for me before I try to step out and do it. It sets me up. It's the foundation I need. So Jesus anchors the commandments in love. The Apostle Paul, he really describes a life motivated by love as the most excellent way in his letters. In fact, Paul really gives us an argument for love in his first letter to the Corinthians. I just want to look at this. We're pretty familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. There's something interesting about this, though. And I want to read this because what we're doing today is I'm reading a few key scriptures for us to do a comparison I want us to look at where we are now and where we want to be. But one thing that I realized a few years back when I was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is one day I was reading it and and it was like Holy Spirit said, "I I want you to take that word love and I want you to replace it with the word God. I mean, it's God's love, right? This isn't heretical. God's love. And so when you start reading love is patient, love is kind, and you say God is patient and God is kind, it starts to get the wheels turning. Another thing you can notice about this, it really tells you the two things that that love is, but then it shows you what love does. So it says love is patient and love is kind, right? Another thing I want us to do when we read this is realize that this is actually describing who God is. This is his character, okay? So even though this can be a good litmus test of if you're walking in love or not, we got to realize, oh, this is describing the character of God, which, by the way, is my character as well because I'm made in his image and likeness. So it says love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or, or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of, of being wronged. There's a big one. It does not rejoice about injustice. We just talked about that. Look at this. But rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Man, that's awesome. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. This is who God is. And because God is this, you are that as well. I don't even, I'm not going to say you could be that. It's who you are. You just have to awaken to it, right? You have to just get in this mode where you're like, this is who I am. I trust this. I have faith in this. So when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that he's the perfect model for us when it comes to service and sacrifice and surrender. This is the life that he reflects. And these character qualities of Jesus, they come together and they embody both the heart and the actions of love. In fact, even the love that we see in Philippians chapter 2. This is powerful here. Look at this. Verse 1. He says, This is Apostle Paul. He says, your life in Christ makes you strong. Look at this. And his love comforts you. What I'm seeing, it's this recurring theme 
of love, right? Over 200 times. But I'm also seeing that it's his love that comforts us, that empowers us, that is our source. Are you seeing this? So it's not all up to you to just do this and perform like some circus monkey to God. It's literally him being the source of this, him comforting you in this, his love being the ultimate source. He says, you have fellowship with the spirit and you have kindness and compassion for one another. I urge you then, why? Because you are love, just like your heavenly father. He says, to make me completely happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love and being one in soul and mind. This is how Paul can say this. He says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or from a cheap desire to boast. Here we go. He's already doing the comparison. He's saying you can root your life in love or you can root it in self. You see this? He says, but be humble towards one another, always considering others better than yourselves. Come on. That can be a tough one, right? He says, and look out for another's interests, not just for your own. The attitude you should have, here's, here's plain and simple what he's saying. The attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. What is that? He always had the nature of God, but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. Now, sometimes when you read verses six and seven, it can be a little bit confusing because you're like, well, what does that mean? I mean, it was, was God God or was he human? Did he take on human flesh? And so I, I want to read this out of the mere translation. When I was going over this yesterday, this is, this is really cool. Philippians 2 in verse 6, listen to how he says this. It says, the talking about Jesus, his being God's co-equal, or his being God's equal in form and likeness was official. Say it's official. Listen to this. His sonship did not steal the limelight from his father. Neither did his humanity distract from the deity of God. Now listen to this next verse, you guys. I want you to get this. His mission, whose mission? Jesus, listen to this. His mission, however, was not to prove his deity, listen to this, but to embrace our humanity. Come on. I mean, I don't know, that preaches me happy. That's powerful. His mission was not to prove his deity, but to embrace our humanity. And guess what? He did embrace our humanity. And look at the life of love that Jesus lived out as a human. That means we can too. It's not heretical to say that we're just like Jesus. Jesus said, you're just like me. Greater works will you do in my name. What's the greatest work of all? To love others whether they deserve it or not. You think we could use a little bit of that in this world? Dear God, sometimes it's like, where's the love? <laughs> right? I think that's awesome. It says he was humbled and walked the path of obedience all the way to his death, his death on the cross. And you know what, Pete, we've talked about this several times about the death on the cross. It was just this ultimate display of love. He says, if you don't believe me yet, check this out. No greater love does a man have than this than to lay his life down for another. He died for us. Not so God would be okay with you because God was with Jesus on the cross. 
the day that we committed deicide, we killed God. Why did he allow that? No greater love does a man have than this, than to lay his life down for another. The cross is the ultimate display of love. I will love you to death. But here's the beauty thing of it. It wasn't until death do his part because he resurrected. <laughs> so there's no apart. See, resurrection was a vindication of the way of Jesus, the way of love, saying, uh-uh, I let you do that out of your hatred, your anger, your violence, you know, this world system, but I'm telling you, that's not the right way to live. Live like me, the prince of peace, the king of love. This is what it's all about. So we see that this foundation here uh, was being set up by Christ and the apostles, the ultimate foundation of, of love. Now, just because we discuss this topic of love, you know, on Valentine's Day, because we'll remember it, right? Doesn't mean that we're going to get it instantly. I mean, none of us are going to be loving 24-7. You know, my son used to say 24-7, seven days a week. <laughs> some of you got this, some of you didn't. You'll get it later. You'll be laughing around 5 p.m. tonight. But I encourage you through this week to reread 1 Peter. Reread Corinthians. Reread Philippians. Review these illustrations of what it looks to actually live out a life of love. And listen to me. Be very honest with yourself. Where are you right now in that journey of love? We all have to be honest with ourselves. And, and let me say this. Honest with yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. You can always find someone who's not doing as good as you are. What good does that do? This is about you, your relationship with God, him loving you, you learning to love yourself and to love others. So where are you right now? Maybe for some of you, it's, I just got to get this foundation down. I, I just have to know that I'm loved and I'm worthy and I'm worth it. Maybe that's where you are. That's great. Great place to be. So dig into it. See how worthy and how loved and how accepted and how pleasing you are to God. See, once you begin to see that, then what happens is you begin to love yourself. Come on. Some of you, you're getting this God loves you thing, but if you were totally honest, you know, when it's just you and you and you, me, myself, and I, uh, you don't love yourself very much. And there's nothing wrong with loving yourself, taking care of yourself, emotional health, because that's the only way that you can actually reach out and love others. Do you see why the foundation is so important? This isn't unspiritual. This isn't unscriptural. This is great for Sunday morning because when we can begin to operate out of this ultimate purpose of love, it changes everything. And then you work your way up till you become a follower of Jesus or a disciple, making disciples and followers of Jesus who are rooted and grounded in love. Imagine a world, imagine a church that's rooted and grounded in love. Because the world's seen the angry side of the church, the unforgiving side of the church, the finger pointing side of the church. And I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm over that. That's not Jesus. And so I'm going to choose love. That doesn't mean I'm perfect at it, but guess what? I've really, really basked in this. I've immersed myself in this thing of love. I know that God loves me. And it's not because I'm up here preaching on a Sunday morning with a hurt foot. Right, God? Did I do good? 
Do I, get, do I get a bigger mansion in heaven? Here we go with the weird theology, right? No, it's because I'm his child. He loves me because I'm his child. Pure and simple. I don't have to perform. I don't have to do anything. But I want to do, and that's what love causes you to do. It's the fuel that you need in life to do what God has called you to do. So if you're honest with yourself, you know, today, this week, and you see some things that are lacking, listen, don't fall into condemnation or guilt or shame. That's not what this is about. If you fall short, hey, welcome to the club. Welcome to the fall short club. Anyone else got a membership there? But see what you can do with being honest. You can say, okay, this is where I am. I'm seeing the litmus test of Corinthians, how God is. I want to be more like, you know, my heavenly father. I want to be more like Jesus. Okay, we're going to work toward that. And so what do you do? You dig in. You dig deeper. There's more work to do. But guess what? God is in all of it. All the work that you do, he's there with you. He's on the journey with you. So hopefully we walk away from here today either understanding for the first time how deep this goes or at least being reminded that love is the foundational attribute of our lives. It has to be. When you follow Jesus, this becomes the ultimate foundation. Let me say it like this. The way of love is so much better. So make the choice. Make the choice today. Did you receive that this morning? For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.